How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today, we are discussing the three top leadoff options for the Yankees in 2023. Now, I know all of you guys probably, first thought came to mind, DJ LeMayhew. That's our first thought, too. We're going to discuss him. We're going to discuss his numbers, what he does in the leadoff role. But because of the toe injury, because he missed a pretty sizable chunk of time in 2022, we have to have alternative options. We have to have guys who can step in and fill that role if he's forced to miss any time, of course. We were hoping Andrew Benintendi would be in the mix and he'd be an option, you know, obviously be the starting left fielder and he could be a very high-end uh, lead-up guy. He gets on base like a 36 37% clip. Um, would have helped Judge uh, significantly because theoretically you want Judge uh, to be behind someone that gets on base a lot. So you can turn solo homers into two-run homers. Um, so I think that that entire aspect is definitely prevalent in the Yankees' line of thinking. But right now we have one primary leadoff guy, one guy that gets on base a lot, and that is DJ LeMayhew, who gets on base 35 36% of the time um, in his career. So, you know, we'll talk about him first, Ryan, before we do so. How do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. You know, the way I look at this Yankee lineup is, as you mentioned, you know, LeMayhew is that primary leadoff guy. Uh, I think he's the team's top. I think he's going to be the team's leadoff hitter on opening day if, if I had to be a betting man. Um, and I think the Yankees have shown that they love having LeMayhew at the leadoff spot. You know, even if you look at 2021 where he struggled, you know, the Yankees were very persistent about having him lead off. They, they feel very strongly about the skills he brings to the plate. And, and quite frankly, I have no reason to feel any other way. It's not like the data points to him being someone who can't work walks or him being a, an aggressive hitter that doesn't know how to lay off a pitch outside of the zone. He's a perfectly uh, a patient hitter. And that's something you need, as you mentioned, behind Judge to convert, you know, a lot of those solo home runs and the two run home runs. And also because he that's someone that that pitchers are going to try to pitch to and LeMahieu doesn't whiff a lot so uh is a great zone contact guy that's going to lead to a lot of extra hits for LeMahieu or extra batted balls and with more batted balls comes more hits so uh ultimately this is gets kind of just like the perfect match right there with um LeMahieu and Judge because again you're going to be trying to avoid having to face Aaron Judge with a runner on uh but if you're DJ LeMahieu you want pitches in the zone because you know you can make a ton of contact and you're not really going to have issues swinging and missing Absolutely. So when you're looking at DJ LeMahieu's uh, stats from last year as the leadoff hitter, he had 363 at-bats, 93 hits, uh, with 15 doubles, 9 homers, 38 RBIs, 56 walks, and 58 strikeouts. So a leadoff hitter that almost has a one-for-one -one ratio in strikeout to walk um, is a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. Um, th uh, you know, 358 on base percentage, uh, 256 average. So you're looking at a player. He's not the, he's not going to slug a ton, but you don't need him to. You want him to get on base, 36, 37% clip, and then give Aaron Judge that that primary opportunity, that prime ripe opportunity to hit a home run and put an extra run on the board. Um, you know, th that's the ideal scenario, right? So DJ LeMahieu, I think across the board, we can all agree, is the top leadoff option for this Yankee team. Now, looking at the second option, it, it's going to be Aaron Judge, and you don't want to have Aaron Judge hitting leadoff because you eliminate the variable like I just mentioned to hit multiple home runs to hit multiple run home runs um, you want to hit two or three run homers you don't want to have him hitting solo shots all the time because you're not maximizing his value and his strong suit but as a leadoff hitter judge is absolutely freaking electric and he's also electric as the second hitter you know he hit 366 of the 481 on base percentage as the leadoff man including 13 homers and 25 RBIs with 29 walks and 123 at bats which is incredible so you know, the reason that he got walked so often last year, obviously, especially towards the end of the season, was because teams were not wanting to pitch to him. They didn't want to be on the wrong side of history, especially these pitchers that were like, we just we just don't want to be throwing him strikes because he will launch them if we give him an opportunity to do it. And Judge took advantage of that routinely. So they were like, you know what? Let's put him at first. If we bat him first, we can at least guarantee that he's going to get pitches to see. He's going to get pitches to hit. Um 
And with that being the case, he also has a, a tremendous eye. Um, putting him at leadoff, you're almost at a 50% clip. I mean, last year, you know, 125, 23 at-bats, um, a decent sample size, almost walked at a 50% clip. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, like, you're, you're, or at least got on base at a 50% clip, not walked, but he got on base at almost a 50% clip, which is obviously great if you have a second hitter like Rizzo who can pull those balls to right field and, and, and utilize that lefty power. But Judge is the de facto option. He's so good, you can put him anywhere at the top of the order. Um, as the leadoff man, great athlete, you know, great guy getting on base, great slugger. I mean, he's a one-size-fits-all player. But obviously, you don't. that's not his preferred destination. It's not his preferred position, uh, Ryan. When you're looking at Judge, I imagine you, know, you also agree would be a fantastic leadoff hitter, but you don't really want him in that role. Yeah, no, Aaron Judge is a remarkable leadoff hitter, right? I mean, there's no debate about it. Aaron Judge, I mean, the Yankees, I'm pretty sure, scored more runs when they had Judge leading off, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Judge was going on an insane pace at that time, and Judge was, I mean, he was torrid. The Yankees started leading him off because they wanted to help him uh, chase that 62, and, well, he took that role, he ran with it. The guy stopped pitching to Judge towards the end, and he was working walks left and right. I remember that streak where he couldn't hit home runs. He had, like, a 500 OBP because he like pitchers just didn't pitch to him. Um, as you mentioned, the great plate discipline you know he doesn't press at the plate he's really just a phenomenal all-around hitter um but i do prefer him in the two hole right you can make you can make the argument that you could lead off aaron judge if there was someone even remarkably close to an equal to aaron judge in that lineup but that is like maybe they're making maybe like two or three guys who you could argue are like equals to aaron judge offensively you know you're like jordan alvarez mike trout maybe juan soto right you know those type of guys right and you know those guys typically don't play on the same lineup together <laughs> so um you know it's it's one of those situations where where Judge could obviously lead off, and that, you know, Aaron Judge playing center field and leading off, you know, people, I know A-Rod mentioned, you know, it's like gimmicky baseball. The Yankees are trying to do too much. But no, it was just that the Yankees had injuries, and they kind of had to do it. Uh, but it worked for them when they did it. Uh, I still think Judge be the second guy. I think, you know, if you a perfect world is LeMahieu's leading off and Judge is hitting second. Uh, but these are, I mean, both guys are good leadoff options. I think, as we mentioned, though, you know, Judge is more of the home run threat, so you want him to come up with runners on more often than not. Yeah, that's the ideal scenario, in my opinion. You know, obviously, we all kind of agree with that. Now, the number three for me, Ryan and I have different options here. So my third option would be Glaber Torres. Interestingly, um, he's a much better hitter at the top of the order than he is toward the bottom of the order. You're looking at him batting fifth, sixth. He was he was decent at batting fifth, two, hit 252 with a 315 OBP, 442 slugging. Um, you know, hit, what, seven homers, 18 RBIs, 14 walks and 35 strikeouts, batting six, he had 167 with a 234 OBP. Like, he's not a really great bottom-of-the-order player. He's actually a lot better towards the top of the order. Interestingly, 105 at-bats, which is pretty much in line with the other sample sizes he had at batting six and, and, uh, and fifth. Uh, but at third, when he was batting third, over 105 at-bats, he had eight homers, 31 RBIs, 13 walks, 24 strikeouts. He hit 343 with a 412 OBP. So he got on base at a 41.2% uh, clip, which is really good. Really good. I don't know what it is about him hitting third, but being smacked in between Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton certainly gave him a little bit of purpose. Certainly gave him a little bit of confidence and motivation to get on base and help his team in a big moment. Um, I think that Gleyber Torres has all the talent in the world. It's all mental for him. You know what I mean? When he's feeling hot, the guy the guy is electric. The guy hits. He's consistent. He makes he makes flashy plays. He's very 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 good. When he's not feeling good, when he's on a cold streak, the guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. You know what I mean? The guy can't hit at all. So when you're looking at Gleyber Torres specifically, 
I feel as though the more confidence he has, the better spot he's in, the more people are relying on him. You know, we got we need this from you. You're in between two elite level hitters. You got to come up. He elevates his game. And you're seeing that the numbers the numbers show he's a better uh, third guy than he is anywhere else. And maybe they're looking to move him up the order a little bit. I, like when we're talking about leadoff hitters right now, but uh, you know, giving a couple more reps there might be an interesting scenario if they had no choice. Um, given he's our third option in this entire uh, equation right now, but batting third's an interesting thing. If the Yankees do end up having to uh, move the lineup around a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, to see, you know, Judge go up to the go up to uh, lead off, and then you have Rizzo second, Glaber third, and Stanton fourth. If DJ LeMay was forced to any, miss any time, um, that's an interesting one for me. But you know, I, I know you have another player in mind. I'd also like to throw out a lot of people have mentioned the aspect of uh, Harrison Bader leading off. Um, I love his athleticism, but it does not get on base that much. Your leadoff man should get on base at 35% or more, in my personal opinion. Bader's only going to get on base at 31%, 32% max, most likely. Um, I don't think he's the guy for hitting leadoff. I think he's a guy that you want in like the 7-8 like role, like you have some contact hitters coming up. He can turn, if he's on second base, let's say he hits a single, steal second base, he can turn a single um, into a run. You know, that, that's, that's what he can do. So if you have him batting... Uh, maybe seventh, and in an eighth spot, you have Peraza, who hits a lot of, uh, I don't know, hits a lot of singles or whatnot. You might be able to drive in a run that way. I just don't think Harrison Bader is a great leadoff man because of his on-base percentage. Yeah, 100% agree there. You know, Harrison Bader, I think, is works more in that six, seven, eight spot where, you know, he's not going to be asked to, you know, have patient at-bats. You know, Bader is someone who I think his power gets under-discussed. He's more of a power guy than he is an on-base guy, uh, which is definitely not typical from, you know, even, I mean, it, the, the issue is more so everyone thinks of the typical center fielder as, like, speed first, high batting average, high on-base percentage, low strikeout percentage, not a ton of power, and baseball's changed. So, uh, Bader is definitely the, not the type of guy you, you lead off. Uh, they tried in the postseason, uh, but that was more so because he got red hot and you were just trying to figure out what you could do. But in the regular season, I don't think Bader's going to get uh, or should get many opportunities opportunities to lead off but for my guy for, uh, as my third option it, it's Anthony Rizzo right now Anthony Rizzo is someone who's always going to walk a lot he's never going to have a high strikeout percentage um, next year he should see some positive regression in his batting average right you know his BAPIP you know I know that his BAPIP was low because he had a lot of fly balls fly balls result in low BAPIPs that's just how it is right those are the lowest uh, batting average on ball in play for all three batted ball outcomes uh, and the reason for that is because you're trying to prioritize slug over average and that's fine for a guy like Rizzo you know where he can hit 32 home runs and put up a one 30 WRC plus but without the shift next year I think that number is going to be more of like 240 or 250 right which should give his on base percentage that 350 maybe even 360 mark right you know maybe the power goes down a little bit just from you know he's a he's a year older right maybe the back issues got to him a little bit more and instead of 32 home runs in 130 games you know it's more like 30 home runs or 20 or 28 home runs in 140 games um you know I think that on base and padding average increase is going to balance that out I think he'll roughly be the same hitter he was uh, uh last season but he is someone who you can lead off and put at the top of the lineup and I believe the Yankees did lead him off for a couple games during the season last year um he's a good left-handed hitter we'll have him in front of you know as you mentioned that situation where you have Rizzo first Judge second you can put Glaber third Stan fourth right that would be perfectly fine for the Yankees I'd imagine the Yankees would like to get a left-handed hitter involved in left field um you know I know they like Cabrera but I, I do still think the Yankees want to get a left-handed left fielder just because you want to have as many left-handed options in your lineup as possible that provide value at the plate 
ultimately Rizzo is just a really good hitter, right? And, and he's that, you know, he's just like Rizzo doesn't do anything that you would say is like this is an he does it at an elite elite clip, but he does a lot of things really well, and that allows him to be quietly one of the best safest bats in the Yankee lineup. Like even in the postseason, you know, he quietly had a really good postseason. You really didn't have to worry about Anthony Rizzo not showing up, right? So I feel like Anthony Rizzo is one of those guys where he's dependable, he's safe. You can put him at the leadoff spot, you can put him at the three spot, you can put him at the five spot even. Like let's say the Yankees uh, somehow traded for a Brian Reynolds or you know. I, I heard, I, I saw Luis Arise may be available and might be on the move, right? You know, you could put a Reynolds third or, or a Rise third or first, and you can, you, you can even hit Rizzo fifth if you have to, right? Rizzo's very versatile in that lineup. I think he provides a lot of things the Yankees needed, uh, and, and ultimately, I'm very excited to see how he could do, uh, you know, in a leadoff role if it comes down to it. Absolutely. I mean, Rizzo is another guy that gets a lot of walks, very patient hitter. Um, I think that he fits a pretty solid mold. I wish he was a little bit more athletic and maybe a little bit faster um, to maybe extrapolate on some of the doubles that maybe Judge would say. Because if, if Judge is a double, Rizzo's not scoring from first base. You know, he, he's sitting at third and he's waiting. But if you got a guy like Cabrera, you got a guy like maybe Peraza, he might, he's probably going to score from first base on a double. You know what I mean? I think best case scenario, if you don't have DJ LeMahieu, Cabrera or Peraza step up their game and, and manage, even if they're at like a, th the thing is like asking them to get out on base at a 34% clip is a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's realistic for Cabrera or Peraza, but if they manage to get close to that, I wouldn't have, I would have no problem hitting them lead off either of those two guys. I like having athletes lead off. I don't like having slow guys uh, batting lead off because, you know, they get on base and they, they're able to steal a base and then suddenly a single turns into a run. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a difference maker. So um, I'll ask you this, Ryan, before we dive into one kind of honorary mention here. When you're looking at the youngsters on this team, what is the possibility that one of those guys raises to the occasion and, and offers this team maybe a potential leadoff hitter for the future like Peraza or Cabrera? Uh, I think the issue with Peraza and Cabrera are just like they don't have the – like in terms of play discipline, Peraza doesn't have a high chase rate. Like that's something he's consistently had – he's kept under uh, control in AAA. But I just don't know if he's – like uh, the, he's never really posted high walk rates. It's interesting because he doesn't chase and he doesn't post high walk rates. It's like a weird mix. It's like the anti-Rizzo. Rizzo actually has a pretty decently high chase rate but doesn't – like he walks a lot. These are very weird hitters. Uh, it's like a very weird profile. Those things usually correlate. So I'm a little confused as to why Praza doesn't walk more. Um, it probably has to do with something in like individual counts. He's probably a lot more aggressive early in counts. Th therefore, he kind of forces the action a little bit and probably forces the ball and play a lot earlier in a count. Um, we saw Peraza work a lot of walks at the major league level. Maybe it's just a weird quirk in AAA. And maybe he sorts that out at the major league level. And you're looking at like a 9 to 10% walk percentage guy. But he's such a fly ball heavy hitter that kind of like Rizzo, he's not really going to hit for that high average. And more so than Rizzo, he's probably going to see his average tank a little bit. I think he's going to hit more like 240, 250. And I think Peraza is probably going to be a league average hitter. Um, it's weird because, I, I mean, I feel like you have to look at him as like someone who could walk a little bit more at the major league level. But I'm not sure that I buy into him being a leadoff hitter. Um, not just yet. Maybe in year two, maybe in year three, he can get reps there. But but not in year one. Uh, for Cabrera, it's kind of the same situation, except he's a lot more aggressive than Peraza is. He, he swings a lot. He loves to swing. Uh, so I'm not sure that really works in the leadoff spot. Uh, I think that works more in like that, you know, maybe you hit him like fifth in and in every now and then or hit him sixth. Uh, but uh, I really, I don't know if he's got the profile to lead off either, even though both those guys are remarkable athletes, it's just not their skill set. And that's fine. Right? Like, I think, you know, I, I kind of like that. They're like that. I don't want, 
Cabrera to feel like he has to be a patient hitter. I don't think that that would fit his his skill set. As for Peraza, I genuinely just have to see if that chase rate translates to walks like it did last year over that small sample size. Um, because once we get to like 200, 300 major league plate appearances, if that walk percentage is 10%, you can kind of assume that that's what's going to be for a very long time, right? We're entering that territory where it stabilizes. Um so next year is going to be interesting because I guess we'll get the answer to that question uh, by like June. <laughs> uh, so uh, quite frankly, I can't say for certain with Peraza. I think the upside is there for him to lead off because of the chase rates. But Cabrera is someone that I definitely don't think is going to ever have to is ever going to have the skill set for that role. But maybe I could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, look, the last player I want to talk about is def is another youngster, another guy we haven't even seen yet. So we're talking here about Anthony Volpe. Is he going to be able to translate to the MLB and, and help this team as potentially a leadoff man? A lot of people think that he might be able to do that. So, Ryan, when we're looking at Anthony Volpe, a really, really good hitter, patient. He's got a good eye. He makes really great contact. He can spray the ball all over the field. Every single corner, he's got it covered. Um, you know, he can slap it to right. He can pull it to left to get a hit at dead center. Um, he's got really good power. You know, this is a re this is the reason why the Yankees are so high on the guy in the first place, aside from his defense. But Volpe is an intriguing player here. Do I think that he translates immediately to the MLB level? Personally, I think it's going to take him about a month to get used to it. Um, I think he's going to struggle at first. I think he's going to get progressively better with every single at bat. But I think by the end of that month, by the end of that sample size, we're looking at a player that can help this team. Okay, we cannot afford to call this guy up in September or late August and hope that he makes an impact with 10 games of sample size. The Yankees cannot shoot themselves in the foot by hoping that Volpe's going to come up and just help this team immediately. They need to give him more opportunity. You know, they, they're already committed to calling up for spring training and letting him compete for the starting shortstop job. There is no reason that they should hold him back later on in the season and, and not allow him to get proper reps, proper opportunities, and, and not able to extrapolate on his skill set and develop. He's a player, if you look at his stats, if you look at his numbers month by month at every single level, he starts out very slow, and then he gets progressively better and better and better and better until he's absolutely kicking serious ass, and then they call him up to the next level. They cannot allow him to just play 10 games, and that's it at the, at, during the 2023 season. They need to be more consistent with him. They need to give him opportunity. They got to call him up in like June or July, not August, September. They got to call him up before the trade deadline because, Ryan, what we know the most is that if they call up Volpe before the trade deadline, we'll know what he is. We'll know what he can offer because if we don't know what he can offer before the trade deadline, how the hell are you supposed to make a decision on maybe trading a guy like Labor Torres or bringing in a new infielder if we have a problem, if someone gets injured or what happens? There's so many different variables that could play a part here. But knowing what Volpe is before the trade deadline, how he's progressing is an essential variable that will determine what the Yankees do at the trade deadline and in the future. Yeah, Anthony Volpe, like, if he comes up in September, it's going to be a Peraza situation again, where the guy, you, you can't really expect him to start in the postseason, right? You know, if he comes up in September, that probably also tells you Peraza was maybe playing well enough to play shortstop full-time. You didn't have issues with Glaber. You probably figured out third base somehow, whether it's Donaldson bouncing back or LeMahieu playing the way LeMahieu has uh, last year. Um, and you're obviously, like, first base, Volpe's not factoring into the first base equation unless un something unforeseen happens to Rizzo and you have to slide LeMahieu to first base. Uh, but even then, you'd probably just start Donaldson at third. So, ultimately, if Volpe comes up in September, that tells you he's not a factor for the postseason, right? Um, and... and it's one of those things where it just can't be like that. Like you mentioned, you know, it Volpe would have to really, really suck 
for the Yankees to have to do something like that, right? They, they can't – last year was a disaster for handling rookies, right? You can't do that. You can never – never again do I want to see this organization handle rookies the way they did last year. Never again do I want to see this team rely on veterans that aren't cl- – that clearly are worse than their rookie counterparts, right? Um, the Yankees – put themselves in that position, right? You know, I'm not saying Cabrera, you know, should have came up earlier because Cabrera had an injury. Like, that was, there was a serious shoulder injury and that caused him to struggle. You know, Peraza struggled early on, but there was a two or three week stretch where the Yankees should have called up Peraza and they didn't. And then when they did, they didn't start him, right? You don't call up Peraza if you're not going to start him, right? That 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 was a that, that was a massive issue that this team had. Anthony Volpe can absolutely be a factor at the leadoff spot if he comes up in time to figure out what he is because as you mentioned, you know, he when he, when he settles into a role and you give him time selling a role he really st- turns it on uh and even if he's like a 100 wrc plus hitter by the end of the year if that progression is linear if that first month was bad and the last two months were really good you are you're gonna put him in that lineup right he's got great walk rates he's got really low chase rates he doesn't swing and miss a lot he's got really good home run power even though the raw power isn't necessarily there the speed is great he's someone that if you put at the lead if he figures it out Maybe it's not 2023. Maybe it's 2024 when you feel comfortable doing this. But Anthony Volpe is the leadoff hitter for this team, you know, over the next half decade, in my opinion, right? I, I think he's the future of the Yankees at the leadoff spot. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, you don't really like to have guys who are really slow at the leadoff spot because, you know, what can you really do on the base running game, right? You prefer that the guy's fast. Uh, and, and Volpe gives the Yankees everything they've been looking for in that regard. Uh, and I, I would really love to see the Yankees give him a shot early on so that we can see him flourish in his role his plate discipline kind of stabilizes and we can eventually move him up to that leadoff role and also if you think about it if you hit LeMayu fifth or sixth in the lineup right that means that when guys like Stan, when once you have Judge Rizzo Stanton Glaber pass by one of those guys are probably going to be on base and if they're in scoring position you have LeMayu up LeMayu's a great contact guy a great bat to ball guy a great phenomenal guy to have up in a postseason series with runners in scoring position that's who you want right because he's going to put the ball in play something's going to happen right he's going to force the ball in play there's going to be movement on the base paths right and that's something that you'd like to see from your from this lineup it's it's a it's a huge upgrade over having Donaldson there right and I don't want to harp on Donaldson too much because you know we, we talk about him a lot uh but but ultimately right it was the strikeouts in that postseason series against you know the Astros that really killed the Yankees if you look at Donaldson's at bats you know Justin Verlander that that at bat shouldn't have been that at bat right I think home runs matter more than strikeouts but uh the, the, those at bats should have been those were really bad at bats and they bailed Justin Verlander out. He ended up going on to dominate that game and the Yankees could have potentially stolen game one. It was close. The Yankees threw in Schmidt and Montas because basically they felt as if they, they weren't in the lead anymore. They didn't feel like they were comfortable uh, throwing in any of their top guys. Right. So uh, quite frankly, this team needs to have guys like Lemayhew instead of Donaldson in those middle of the uh, lineup spots. You know, I'm praying that Donaldson bounces back because ultimately, you know, it feels like the Yankees are going to find a trade suitor for trade suitor for him. And it's good to have infield depth. Uh, but but this team needs to give Volpe a chance because, as you mentioned, speed, on base, low chase rates, patient hitter, right? That's the type of guy you want to have leading off, and Volpe can be that guy come October. He absolutely can be that guy, and, and, and I, I hope to God he is because we need another option that's not DJ LeMahieu to be able to fill that role because I don't want to move Judge up to the leadoff spot. I don't want to move Glaber. Tor- like, these are last resorts. You know, These are secondary options. We need another guy. Ben Intendi was supposed to be him, but now we do not have him. Uh, but guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives on this on this matter. This is an interesting conversation. There's a lot to kind of go through, and we'll see how the Yankees approach this as the months continue on um, and we get closer to spring training here. But always happy to hear your opinions below in the YouTube comments. As always, make sure you have a fantastic rest of your day. Like, subscribe for daily content on all platforms. Make sure to follow us on Fireside Yankees on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We got you guys covered from every single topic. 
Um, we're going to be doing some fun things this year, so hopefully you guys stick around. But as I said, like, subscribe, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.